I, I don't want to miss on what God's saying. There's just uh, Tiffany, your word is great. You uh, almost stole my ending. Um, I think it's always good when God's doing that and preparing hearts. I love the theme of restoration. I stood here with just gratefulness in my heart. I believe in restoration more today than I did in the year 2000. And uh, God has proven his word to be true and all men are liars. Um, I stood here just overwhelmed in worship, just at God's goodness. I've got uh, quite a few preaching things ahead and been doing a lot of writing and a lot of, um, a lot of response through the Internet overseas. And uh, i got a pastor's conference to get ready for um, next month. I just am overwhelmed at God's goodness. That This is a short exhortation to you, that if you're in a place of brokenness and away from God, and you say, God, can you ever use me again? God is not done with you. He is a God of restoration. That's why I'm so excited for this theme. I love restoration. I believe in restoration. I'm living proof of restoration. God does not take us back to the place um, to punish us. He takes us back to put us back into the original purposes of why he created us. I love the passage you've been looking through in Luke 15. It's one of my favorite passages in scriptures, in all of scripture. Because out of the mouth of Jesus, the one who said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see the Father doing, is showing us what a sinner looks like when he comes to the Father. When a broken, lost child of God who's distanced, who's away from because of sin, sin is anything that separates us from God, it's a beautiful picture of how God reacts how God responds. That's why I just I appreciate so much the Lord spoke to you, Tiffany. That's God's reaction. And those who have this image of this cruel, angry, bitter, judgmental God, you've missed what the God of Scripture says. Yes, Jesus is coming back. This is an age of grace. Yes, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to be seated on the throne. He's coming in with the sword to separate the wheat from the chaff. And there's righteousness and justice, but God is a God of mercy. He's about restoration. And he's pleading, the, the compassionate Jesus in the story, pleading over Jerusalem that they would come to him. This, this people that were set apart, chosen for him, would come to him. And he's saying, this is how the Father's going to respond to you, but he wants you to return. Uh, Dave last week started the series, and he spoke from remembering that part of the, the thing that God does to us is he reminds us of how good he is. He reminds us that, that in his father's house, in father's house, there is goodness, there is life. He allows us in our brokenness when we wander from him to remind us that the, the bread of life, the true drink of life, can only be found in Jesus. And I love it where he awakened the senses of this young boy. And he said, in my father's house, in my father's house. And so he causes us in the first step as Dave preached on is to remember, to remind us of how good it is in Papa's house. He allows us to see our brokenness. He allows us to see that the bitterness and the poison and the polluted waters we've been drinking never produce life. That's what I love about restoration. Is God takes us and says, remember how good. He doesn't go and point out, look at how bad we're doing. He reminds us of how good it is when we go back home. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. It's his goodness, but don't mistake his goodness for his righteousness, his holiness. I think it's when we sin that God reminds us, see, that's what I don't want you to get into. It's not the act of the sin, it's what takes place next. God has no problem with you sticking your hands in the fire on the stove. You want to do it, go for it. But there's a damaging thing that takes place immediately after your hand is in the fire. Is that not true? 
That's what God doesn't want us to go through. He doesn't want to, it's the effect of sin. It's not the act, it's what happens next. And more than the fact that we are suddenly in pain and in fractured relationships and destruction in our life, the damnation, the damning part of it is the life flow of the relationship with God is cut off and that's what he's so mad about. He doesn't want anything to separate us from him. He wants us to freely come in, boldly, and say, Dad, I had a really bad day today. Or Dad had a really good day today. I was praying in Pastor Jim's office this morning, and I just love this part. And, and I, the sad thing about uh, my kids being adults is they don't have the pictures like he's got in his office. Daddy, I love you. Daddy, so glad to see you today. Daddy, I had a good day. They're just filled with these pictures from his younger kids. The Father heart of God crying out today as he wants us to remember from what he has shown us of who his character is and for us to come back. Today we're going to look at returning. How do we return? How do we come back? See, when we remember things, it gives us hope. Without hope, the heart is, is sickened, it says in Scripture. And God wants to give a, a river of hope, a life of hope, a flowing of hope in our lives, that that hope would come out of us like compassion, would move us into this broken and lost world. We've got to continue to place ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit can even remind us of how good he is and all the good things that God does to us. So when we're done tired of eating the puke of our own vomit, it says as a, as a, as a dog returns to his own vomit, as the sow that's been washed will return to the mud, we have this propensity, this character flaw in us as soon as man fell to constantly go back to the things that are bad, not the things that are good. And the Spirit of God, I love this, he is so good, so compassionate, he keeps reminding us, are you really getting any nutrients out of life, out of that thing? That's why when you wake up the next day, for those of us who lived a life of drunkenness, you wake up the next day and you say, what a waste of time. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be something better than this. It's the Spirit of God breathing out in this earth saying, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I'll give you life. See, the recognition of what we have leads to a revelation. And the revelation comes to the fact that, that this young man realized he sinned against heaven and, and against everyone else. And in causing that, it should cause us to go another further step. The revelation that God gives us has a purpose, and there has to be a response. And it's, it's a determined decision to return. That's what God's trying to produce. Not, oh, yeah, this is really bad, I shouldn't be here, but a determined response in us to return back to the things. I love the idea of, revela- of restoration, as I said, but to be quite honest with you, I don't, hate, I don't like the process. This is the part I think we're afraid of. Let me give you a couple of definitions. In the Hebrew, the root word there in, means to turn back. But it's not necessarily the idea of returning back to the original place. What do you mean? If you fail eighth grade, they don't send you back to kindergarten. Is that not correct? If you're restoring a car, you don't take it back to Detroit, melt the thing down, put it back in the original mold and everything. You get the original blueprints of what God has intended. That's what Jesus came to bring us back to. The restoration process means to turn back in the Hebrew. To turn back, to get back to where you were intended to be. God wants to restore us. In the Greek, it means to set the joint or to set the bone. It's the image of setting you in a cast. And from what I know, from having multiple fractured in parts of my body, from the top of my head to the bottom of my soles, injured and set in casts at one time or the other, 
It immobilizes you. From what I understand medically is that if you put a cast on an arm, it'll never break in that spot again. I have found that you can possibly break other parts around that area, but it doesn't break in that spot. So I don't like the idea of a cast. Let me give you my little experiences. Hopefully it'll help you understand what God's trying to do. In my opinion, casts are really fun for about the first day or two. You get attention. you got people sending you cards. Or people come up to strangers with markers and they want to write their name and show their love and attention to you. That's why I like casts. I love walking home from a sports injury or when I was doing construction in the field and Kathy said, oh, what happened to you? And suddenly... This wife of mine and my kids became like my house servant, anything I wanted. People stopped over. People would call. People, they feel so sorry for you. But here's what I don't like about cast. They're restrictive. They're immobilizing. You can't do the things you want to do. So I, when I had this finger broken off, or broken off, when this finger broken, they put me in a cast up to my elbow. I kept that thing on for maybe, maybe a week. I think I kept it on for less than a week because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I went and I tore out this right foot in an injury, and they put me on a cast up to the top of my knee. I kept it on three days, because it was too restrictive, because it was too immobilizing. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I've torn out both of my shoulders at different times, and they put you in this sling, if you ever dislocated your shoulder, they put you in this sling, and then they wrap this thing around you, and you can't do anything. You can't sleep at night. You can't take a shower on your own. You can't do anything that you want to do. I think I've kept those things on less than a week. And so I've got parts of my body that doesn't quite work. When I play football, I have to tape my fingers together because my little pinky, which was so, if I would have just kept the thing on for six weeks, it'd now be working fine. I can get it to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't like the restoration process. And so that's what we run from. When God says, I need to set the bone. I need to set you back in the original place. I need to come alongside of you and immobilize you for a point. Because we want to do what we want to do. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us to our own way. And God is saying, it doesn't work that way. I, when I had my uh, left ankle rebuilt... I made a decision. I made a decision before Kathy, and I think before God, and before, at least before the surgeon. And I said, I'll leave this on the full course because my goal was to play hockey again. After 10 years, I was going to play hockey again. Kathy had other plans. She wanted to go for walk and dances and other, you know, guy-girl stuff I get. But I said, I'm going to go the full course thinking it would be six weeks. The surgeon put the first cast on me in the uh, beginning of October, and the last cast, and I had to wear this every single night, the last cast came off the end of March. I didn't want to go through restoration. When I stepped into a time of restoration in the year 2000, I had no intention of ever going back into ministry, let alone staying in a cast as long as I did. The brokenness, the immobilization that God puts us through when he's restoring us is painful. It's broken. We're embarrassed. We have to explain why we're doing something different. The other side about having a cast and the awkwardness of it, Peter, do people still came up to you and say, how are you doing? When are you going to be better? How is it going? We want to make everyone better, so we keep asking the questions. It can be an embarrassing thing. If I can just put my arm away, they don't have to deal with it. But over and over and over again, everywhere you go, you're repeating the same story. You're reminded, especially if you did something stupid. You're reminded over and over and over and over again. So the idea of restoration, return to the Lord, can have a negative effect. But that's missing the point. See, when the doctor puts you in that cast, the intention of the doctor is to do what? To make you better. To bring wholeness. Again, as I said, as you allow the bone to bring the completion process in the cast, It'll never break there again. 
it'll be stronger. It won't happen as God restores us and does in the restoration process is allowed to take the full complete work. You'll never you'll never fail there again potentially. You'll never wander away from him again potentially. You'll still have opportunities, but there's something inside of that because you've learned to stay knit with God, but you don't want to go through that again. You say, no, I'm going to pass on that one. Thank you very much, Mr. Devil, but I'll pass on this one. Find somebody else to bring that opportunity to. I just, oh, I don't want to go through that again. I don't want to go back in that cast again. I don't want to be refractured there again. God is thinking about restoration in our lives so that we return to the intended purpose of why he created you. That's his purpose. And we need to have a heart that says, Dwayne said this on Wednesday night, and I something went off in my spirit. I have two reactions. One is, don't say that, and, and I'll talk about the second part. Dwayne says, I don't want to just go through the process that we're going through in the situation that the world is in today and miss the point. I want to stay in the place till God teaches me everything I get. I want to learn everything I can learn. I don't want to just get through. I don't want to just bypass first grade to second grade and pass me on. I want to go through the process. I want to learn. And the rest of us are saying, no, we want good times, Lord. I was praying for the rapture right then. Lord, get me out of here because that stuff's painful. But as I chewed on it and meditated the last few days, I realized something. If we're going to be back to the place that God wants us to be, we need to have an attitude of, Lord, set me in the cast and I won't fight you. Restoration. That's why I so much appreciate it. Because the hope of this is some of you that have had dreams and purposes for your life that have been on hold because of, of brokenness in your life or because of whatever reason, there should be hope for you that God's coming to do restoration. And when God does restoration, he's thinking about you as one of his kids, but he's also thinking about what he wants to do through you. I have hope that this world can be reached a little bit different than it was last year. I have hope that the places and the workplaces and the schools and your families can be reached differently. But in order for restoration to take place, there's something that we have to do. It's not just remember, we have to return. We have to do is repent. We have to change the direction we're going. Let me give you two definitions for repentance. In the Greek, it means to think differently or outwardly. It's to reconsider. It's to think about things different. It's to repent. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord, for as heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts. God is saying there, you don't think the same way I do, and I want you to change your thoughts. You need to repent. You need to change the way you think. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Change the way you think. That's why he went against cross-grain with the Pharisees and how they thought. That's why people hung on his word and said, you're not like the Pharisees and the religious leaders. We like what you have to say. You are bringing life. God is always thinking exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. His thoughts are always higher than your thoughts. His thoughts are better than your thoughts. And we've got it all wrong. So number one in the Greek, it it means to change the way we think. In the Hebrew, it's a primitive word which means to... The, the whole idea of going a different direction, to going to a different starting point, returning backwards. Let me give you an illustration. If I want to get down to, if I want to get to Duluth, and I'm heading 35 south, it doesn't matter what kind of car I'm going in. It doesn't matter how fast I'm going. I can be riding a, a Jaguar. I can be taking a bicycle. I can be going 120 miles an hour. I can be going five miles. I'm never going to get to Duluth that direction. I've got to stop. I've got to turn around and return back to the direction in which I was going. And none of us want to do that. 
But the intended, again, the intended purpose is I'm going to Duluth. So the Lord starts doing restoration in our life. And, and the prodigal son had to do the same thing. He had to stop and say, I'm going the wrong direction. This is not producing life. I've got to turn around and I've got to go back. The goal and the purpose of repentance is to put us back to the intended purpose of God. That's why it should be a good thing for us to repent, not a bad thing. We're so afraid of God. We're so afraid that he's going to point out what we're already doing is wrong. He knows it. God, clean me up. I did it. I come out with my hands up. Don't shoot. I'm here, Lord. No stun guns. Put away the dog. Put away the dogs. I better come out. Repentance is a good thing. We've always seen repentance as this religious thing where you come up to think feeling really bad for your sins, knowing that you're going to do it as soon as you walk out of here. So we throw the cigarettes in the basket or whatever the vice is. That's not repentance. Repentance starts here. Change me from the inside out, we sang. God, change me from the inside out. It's not the cigarettes that God has a problem with. Here's a problem with the fact that you always sneak them when you're away from your Christian friends. It's the only time you ever have them. It's the only time you play and you hide. And there's a part of your life that's hypocrisy. That's what God hates. If you want to smoke and, and buy all the cigarettes in the world, go for it. I don't see any scripture that says you can't. I didn't just give you a license to sin. I just gave you a license to be stupid. There's other things you could do with your life that are just as bad. Gossip, slander, immorality. Us standing out there judging one another because they're stuck in a vice. It's just a stupid vice. But what God hates is we can't be honest with ourselves and to say there's an area of my life, God, that's not right. And I'm coming to the altar saying, Lord, I want to turn from this and I don't want to do this anymore. And God, would you help me to change? Would you take my brokenness, turn me around and help me to go another direction? Open your Bibles to Hosea 6, will you? It's the first of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, so it's going to be after, uh, right after um, Daniel, the book of Daniels, follows Isaiah, and it follows uh, Jeremiah. As I said, repentance is a combination of internal and external changes. In the internal, there's something that goes on inside of us that says, God, I'm going to go find my life in you. God, I need to find something different to fill the hole that's in my heart. God, there's no life in this. Where are you? There's something internal that takes place first of all, and then it affects the behaviors. Jesus said, you're whitewashed sepulchers, because on the outside they look like nothing, but inside they were dead man's bone. God cares more about our hearts. Change my heart, O God, is what David said. That's where we start. We start, God, in the inside I repent. On the inside. That's what Jesus says to the hypocrites that said, well, I don't, I don't do that and I tithe and I do all the right things. Jesus said, if you've even lusted after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If you've even thought about it and said, rock it to your brother, you've already committed murder. Jesus said it starts in your heart. So the repentance that God is after, the returning that God is after is our hearts. That's why I appreciate the songs today. Hopefully there was something going inside. It was the Spirit of God pleading you to say, return to me. You know the old, uh, I was trying to think of Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin's song, Return to Me. Talks it from a different perspective. It's calling the person to return because you've let me down. That's an inappropriate song for us to sing to God. It's a song should be, God, I've let you down. God, would you return to me? I want to respond to the Spirit's call. And it's got to start here. 
Because if it doesn't start here, we start getting into religious practices, and we don't eat ice cream or play Frisbee or watch the Minnesota Vikings, or whatever your sin is. People have asked me who I'm going to cheer for. I'm still staying with Dallas. We'll turn that one around yet. <laughs> Jeremiah 2.13 says, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the living waters, and hewed for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can never hold water. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Doesn't that sound a lot like the prodigal son? where he said he came to himself, and how many of my father's hired hands have bread to spare, and I perish in hunger, I will rise and go home and say, Father, I've sinned before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. There should be a response when on the inside we realize we're digging cisterns that don't hold water. We're drinking life. Everything we're doing, listen to that quietness that takes place in your heart. Pay attention to it that says, God, something is missing in my life, and I need you. Repentance then eventually, number two, affects the outside. It affects the external. There has to be a change. Hosea 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. That's Jehovah Rapha right there. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may know and we may live in his sight. That Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to water the earth. Now, by quick observation, there's one or two people speaking. It's either the prophet Hosea exhorting us, but the surrounding verses on either side of the other passages on either side of this really talk about the Lord speaking. So this, I don't think it's necessarily Hosea pleading with the people. You know what we think it is? I think it's the people kind of coming up with the formula. God, we do this, you do that. God, we're quoting your word. Israel recognized their situation, but they turned to Assyria to help them. They didn't turn to the Lord. Israel's hearts was revealed by their actions rather than their words. Oh, yes, you're our God. But they turned over here and went after the Assyrians, who were the enemies of God's people. They didn't turn to the Lord. Their heart was far from them. These people worship me with their lips, Isaiah says. But their hearts are far from me. There should be an external change if there's something really going on inside your heart. It's not about just really feeling bad that you're doing something wrong. There should be a change. That's why it's true repentance. There's an external change. You stop the stuff you were doing. You don't wander in that stuff anymore. Well, God understands I'm a sinner. He understands your sinner and sent Jesus Christ to pay for your sin and your brokenness. But he also sent the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you to know the truth so you don't get back into that stuff. There should be an external change that takes place. Something has to change. And these people in Hosea, despite all their verbal expressions of repentance, they constantly kept turning back to sin. And it grieves God. Yes, he's merciful. But I know in the natural, my heart is broken as my children sin. In the natural, I'm grieved as my own sin takes place. This heavenly, holy Father is grieved by our sins, and he wants us to return and to go a different direction, to come back to him. The people in Hosea 6 were quoting a formula. If we do this, then God has to do this. We're going to come back to him. And we know he's going to revive us. These words are all true about the character of God. Amen? But I think the people, if you read the passage on either side of them, the next verse says, Ephraim, what should I do with you? Judah, what should I do with you? You don't get it. It's not about just quoting scriptures to me. There's got to be a change of heart. There has to be something that goes off. God says, no way. 
I don't do things that way. We need to come to him broken, and we need to come repentant, confessing our sins. Confessing your sin just says, God, I agree with your judgment on that. I don't know why that's such a big deal, God, but you said it is, so therefore I agree with you. And brokenness usually follows that. There has to be something internally that affects the external if we're going to return to the Lord. Again, what's his purpose in this? It's restoration. The son had to stop what he was doing, go another direction, and acknowledge the fact that it was broken and say, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to talk to my father. I really believe that listening to what I heard today in the worship, the father heart of God is calling back out to us and saying, I'm the wellspring. I'm the one I want you to come to. Not in anger, not in hostility, but in love. And no matter how I try to express it, I'll never express it as good. Because the more the prophetic mind continues to hear the, the judgment of God, and yet the mercy of God is who he wants to represent. So God wants to keep reminding us and calling out to us. Joel 2.12. Now the Lord says this, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Verse 13 says, Return to the Lord. He's gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. He just wants you to turn. Isaiah 44, 22, I blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. He's already paid the price. It's not about talking him into doing it. He's already paid the price. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked man forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for he'll have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon you. See, it's not enough to simply hear what God says. It is not enough to listen to a preacher in a service. It is not enough to sit there and read your Bible. It is not enough to take prayer time. It's not enough to just listen to what Jesus says. This is a call to action. There's a response that's needed. It's not enough for that son to realize his brokenness. He had to respond to that what was going inside. This, this message demands a response between you and the Lord. It's not enough just to listen to stuff. The prodigal son responded to what was going on in his heart, and I believe that's why he was restored. See, it's not enough to just admit that there's something wrong with us. Yeah, there's something wrong with me. Well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. I just uh, It's my vice. It's my hang-up. It's, uh, um, it's a defect. No, it's a handicap. It's my handicap. Can I get a parking spot? I've got this sin. Well, it's not really a sin. It's more like a handicap. I don't know why we're... I, I'm just kind of, you know, nothing I can change about it. It's not enough to admit that you've got something wrong. You have to go back to God and say, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to restore it. The prodigal son said, I will rise and go back to my father. Father, I have sinned against heaven. Father, I have sinned against before you. And in an attitude of brokenness and repentance and confession is when the father restored him. The cool thing I love about Luke 15 is the father was already waiting. He didn't need to be stronghold into talking. He was already waiting. The fatted calf was already being prepared. He was already waiting. He was already sitting there longing, waiting for the son to come home. In fact, he didn't even listen to his speech. He turned to the servant, has the servant go and take care of everything. Because he was more concerned. This part I love about it. God is more concerned about restoration of his sons and his daughters than the cleaning up. He took this vile man that smelt like pig slop and hunger and brokenness and hugged him and loved him and accepted and Jesus said I only see what, say what the father's saying and I only do what the father's doing that's the way he's going to respond to us today when we respond to him 
love us. He doesn't clean us up first. Otherwise, he's not done a pretty good job in my life. Because I still got areas in my life that need to be cleaned up. He takes us in our brokenness and says, I've paid the price. And he doesn't take it lightly. The blood of Jesus was a very real thing. He doesn't take it lightly. He doesn't say, oh, it's no big deal. He didn't say to the son, no, you didn't. He didn't deny that what he did was wrong. He, the situation in Jesus Christ is that he paid for our sins. That anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. But if we want restoration in our lives, we've got to remember, we've got to stop, and we've got to pause. And then we must repent. We must turn around and go a different direction. And then we need to turn back to God. Not to our neighbors, not to our friends. Maybe I'll call that old girlfriend up. Maybe. No, return back to God. And sit in that place of brokenness and say, God, would you set me in a cast? Because I want restoration. I want full restoration. God, I don't want to be like Tom where he's got some fingers that don't work right. This metaphorically represents any area of your life you not allow God to fully restore where there's fractured. Because you have areas in your life that when someone else bumps into them because they were not restored right, you don't represent Jesus. How many here really think you're doing a great job representing Jesus in this world? None of us. That's really sad. We have the Spirit of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We should, we should not be walking around with that feeling. Now, and if it's a healthy judgment of our own brokenness, that's good. But there should be some kind of confidence in us of saying, you know what? I know who I am. I'm an ambassador. And the Spirit of God is inside of me. And therefore, I can walk out in spite of my brokenness, in spite of who I am, and God can still do great things. Through our God, we shall do valiance. Not by might, not by power, but by spirit, says the Lord. God wants to deal with that stuff. There's areas in my life, vices in my life that I quit, that scripturally I could, I could show you that were okay for me to do, that I quit because I didn't want any hindrance in God. There was an area in my life, one time when I, where I was in a church where you still could drink. I don't believe any leadership should drink. Scripturally, Titus, Timothy's real clear about that. Real strong about no, nothing with drinking, nothing about strong drink. Very clear about that. This church that we were in, we could do this. And I found a hindrance one time where I was, had to do ministry after I had a beer. And I found myself afraid or hindered to be used by God because if I got too close to pray for this individual, they might smell it. And God said, get rid of the area. You're limiting me. There are areas of our life we need to cut off and stop doing simply because it stops the use of God in our life. And for some of you, it's more dangerous than that. The immorality, the vices, the junk you've been doing, God says, I want to use you, but you've got to knock it off. Return to me and let me deal with it. Let me clean you up. He'll make you a whole new creature because God wants restoration. When God does restoration, I'm telling you, the nation, that's why I saw that banner and something went off in my heart. And I said, that's what God's about for this place. And then I saw the bulletin cover and I saw this new life and I said, that's what God's about. That's a good thing. So then I don't have to try to get Craig to put his arm around Sue. Craig just does because that's what God's doing in his life. That's a really bad joke. I'm sorry, Sue. The person has looked, I need to hit you with this one. The person who attends church every week with no intention of responding to what they're hearing is actually a hypocrite. You're an actor. You've got a false face. The person who attends church every week with no intention to responding to what they're hearing is actually a hypocrite. It'd be better for you to do this. Say, God, I'm really not into this whole Christianity stuff. I don't believe it. I don't care about it. I want nothing to do with it. Then for you to walk around pretending that you're actually following Jesus Christ. 
You're either following him or else you're not. He's either Lord or else he's not. It's not gray. There's no two ways. Better to do that than to pretend you're spiritual when you're not. God hates hypocrisy. Someone who pretends to be something they're not, God hates it. Just as I am, Lord, here I am. Here I am. This place is a safe, they they use that phrase, it's a safe place. It really is a safe place. I've seen so many leaders restored in this house that have been able to come in in their brokenness and their fractionness, and God has restored them because we didn't have to put airs on. We don't have to use the word reverend in every sentence that we use. We can go and say, there's Tom, the person who's also a child. Yes, I'm ordained, but I'm also a child of God, first and foremost. And that's what I needed restoration when we came here, to the relationship with the Father that had been broken through sin, and God did it through this house. This is a great place. You say, how do we respond to this? This is the, the kind of the sad part about it, but it's the good part because it takes all the pressure off of us. We need to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that does it. But we cooperate with him. We can't change us. We can't change anybody else. We can't change ourselves. You figured that out? You get up on January 1st and you're going to do what you're going to do and you got all these lists and everything's great and it's all over. We need the Holy Spirit to do it. We need the Holy Spirit to remind us and to convict us and to work with us and cooperate. This is the cool thing, though. He says, if we ask for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give it. He's not going to give us a snake and a stone and a scorpion. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit to do it. And the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, and, and hopefully, since he's a member of the Trinity, hopefully this isn't sacrilegious, I think he's sitting there saying, I'm just waiting to do it. Tell me what to do. I'm waiting to do it. I'm excited to do it. I'll help you do it. It's not this thing, oh, man, that Craig Anderson, I tell you, I can't wait till. It's not the response. He is the representative of the representative. Jesus was excited. He says, it's expedient I go away because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit can't come. It's to your advantage that I go away, he said. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, he will convict of the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment and of sin because they don't know me. They don't know me. Epinosis, they don't know me. They don't really know who I am. That's why he's convicting the world of sin. They don't know me. They don't understand me. How do we respond? We respond by saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to work in my life. I want to respond to what you're doing. The Holy Spirit, that's part of his specific job, if I can put it this. He's God. He's the tri- part of the triune nature of God, but that's his purpose. That's his, his calling. That's, that's why he's here. The purpose of it is to convict us of sin. Again, sin is anything that, that, uh, that separates us from God. The Holy Spirit takes the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it shows us that we need to return back to God. He does it. He does it when we're in the supermarket. That's why Psalm 139, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I'm at the supermarket, there you are. This is Tom's version of it. If I choose to fall away from you and I'm sitting in a bar, there you are. See, it's it's when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I'm talking about beyond after I was saved, and I said, Holy Spirit, I can't deal with this thing. That's when sobriety came in my life and have been sober for 20-some years. When I stopped trying to do it myself and surrendered it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I said, Holy Spirit, you replace that. You become my nutrients. You become my life. You become the sustaining joy of my life. That's what keeps us sober. Amen, Warren? Amen, Stan? That's what did it. It's when we stopped trying, we let the Holy Spirit change our life. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you'll never come to Jesus with your issues. 
It'll be somebody else's conviction. See, in evangelism, we always say that if I can talk you into it, somebody will talk you out of it. It's the same thing with any area of change. Spouses, as good as they are, will never convict us to change. Not the same way the Holy Spirit does. I, Kathy's learned this. She really has learned this. God, she, she prays these prayers. I know he listens to Christian radio. Would you speak to him through that? Father, I know he reads Christian publications. Father, I know there are preachers out there that do a better job of, of ever telling what he needs to hear. Would you tell him? And there's time to come in the house and say, do you know that I've got blue eyes? And she says, oh, really? Because God's convicted me of something. It's the Holy Spirit that wants to get us to cause and turn around and return back to the Father. Now, we either are going to grieve the Holy Spirit or we're going to respond to that and say, more, Father. Send them more. Anything else you want to deal with? Because that's a great posture to be when you're standing here. Um, it's a whole lot easier to be, Andrew was describing his morning. It's a whole lot better when you don't have mornings like that and you come in without that stuff. Is that not true? And you know that there's no weight and there's no heaviness. Thank God for the freedom we have to come before the altar, come boldly into the throne, and then we will find our uh, grace in our hour of need. But it's a whole lot freer when you look at your life and you say, got it all taken care of. I can come in here and don't to wonder about it. A friend of mine said he stopped speeding because he got tired of looking out of his rearview mirror. He said when he made a decision to not speed, he never has to look over a rearview mirror. Cops got him all lit up. He just pulls over knowing that they're going after somebody else. There's a freedom when we learn to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to respond to him and to turn immediately back to him when we return to him. There's a great freedom when we don't have to wonder about it. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the people were cut to their heart. In the Greek, it means, literally, it means to agitate violently. They were pierced. They were pricked. That's what we need the Holy Spirit to do today, to cause us to return. To say, that what areas are we, Father, are we not with you? What, it's not just that God reminded us that there's something, no life in what we're doing, as we start turning and get back in this restoration process. Because next week we're going to look at how he makes us new creations. And more clearly, I'll give you a little hint, it's how we are new creations. Not just how he makes us, how we are. And the declaration. And God's given me a great illustration for that, but it's the declaration that we are new creations. But between the remembering and the, and the restoration of who we are in Christ, there's this thing called repentance and returning that we need to do. And it's getting back. The Holy Spirit will convict you, but he will not destroy you. He will show you his need for Jesus. As, Steph, as Tiffany said earlier, it's a gentle voice. It's a gentle wooing. It's a passionate lover's voice that says, I want to deal with this. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a new heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and, they will, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. When we return to them with the whole heart, that's what he gives us. How many here want to know the Father that, that he calls us his people. How many here want to be a part of that group? I do. How many here want him to put a new heart in us? That's what scripture says he's going to do through the prophet Jeremiah. I, I want to give you a new heart. I don't want you to have to work this stuff up. I, I just want you to return to me with everything you have. Here I am, Father. That's it. And stay in that posture all week long. doesn't matter where you're doing. doesn't matter what you're doing. One of the best things about being a secular job and is that I've discovered I had to live out the same stuff I told everybody to do for years when I was pastoring full-time. It is possible to remember the Lord in your day-to-day stuff. I'm in the corporate world. 
I understand the stuff, the pressures you guys face out there. I understand, but it's also possible to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and see the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. It's been fun to listen to Kathy share stories of opportunities of witnessing and testifying to other people and praying with complete strangers at the mall over in Shoreview. Wonderful stories. I go and say, Lord, give me another opportunity. But in order for him to do this through you, without reservation, without you holding back, I believe he's calling us all to return to him. And the hard part about that is I don't know for each one of us what that means. Only he does. We put ourselves in a posture. Hosea 6 goes on to say, and when he says, Return to the Lord, for he, will torn, he has torn us, but he'll heal us. He has stricken, but he'll bind us up. That's true. That's a true word. When we return to him, the purpose and the plan is that he's going to bring healing, and he's going to, tie it, he's going to bind us up. But the purpose of it is restoration. That's what he's about. He's thinking good things for you. He's not thinking bad things for you. He hates what you're doing. He hates the effect of sin. He wants you to knock it off. But what has purpose is restoration. And then Jesus will be able to come and take you to the Father so you'll be restored. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to me but the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. There's times we have to remind ourselves, Jesus, show me the Father. Show me what you're doing in my life so I can cooperate to you. The worship team wants to come up. There's a song that's just been um, flowing through my heart more and more lately. It's from David Crowder. Listen to this. I was going to play, but I didn't take time to learn it, so I won't. It says, He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, I'm like a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and his mercy, when all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane and I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy, when all of a sudden I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Do you need another one? Oh, how he loves us. We are his portion and he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And his hev- and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And my heart turns violently inside my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way, oh, how he loves us so. God wants us to return because some of you haven't heard for a long time just how much he loves you. You've been so caught up in your own stuff. It is now January 23rd, and you've failed every New Year's resolution you've had. As Andrew said, it's been a, you've already failed the year. Some of you have already failed the day. God wants you to return. So some of you, it'll be appropriate to come up here and get prayer. But I, I don't want external response alone. It's got to be internal. For some of you, it's going to be sitting at home. For some of you, it's going to be 5.30 at night tonight, and you're all set to watch the, well, supposedly big game. Watching the big game, and God's going to say, I need you to come away from me right now. And it is, for those of us who love sports, that's a big deal. And that's when God's going to cause you to response, but don't miss what God's doing. Listen to this. I'm going to read the benediction now, and then we'll try to figure out how to end this thing. Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God wants to set some of us in chaos. 
to start the restoration process as you return to him, as you repent for your sins, as you return to him, God's going to start setting you in cast today. It's not a dangerous thing. It's the only thing. It's the thing that you need to do in order for God to bring that restoration in your life. Return to him and say, Papa, I've been away. I'm convinced with all my heart there's so many backsliders in this church. More and more I watch the hypocrisy in our lives. We say we're Christians and yet the external things, I just am shocked at times what I hear coming out of people's mouths and watch this junk that they're getting into. We're lukewarm Christians at best and God wants us to change, but we can't do without the work of his spirit. So Father, I'm praying right now that you'd send your Holy Spirit. On our own, Lord, we we lead to righteousness that is self-made, self-righteousness. It leads to religious rules and regulations and legalism. Father, I'm asking by your Holy Spirit that you bring conviction in our lives in the areas that you want us to repent and return. Father, no speeches, no made-up things before you. Cause our hearts to wake up and smell the pig slop we've been eating, as Dave talked about last week, and to turn around and to go back to the directions of Papa's house that we can find healing and hope and restoration in life. Father, I'm asking you to convict each one of us, the sound of my voice. Convict us, Holy Spirit, to the areas that we have been dabbling with and playing with and hiding and not brought to the service that has stopped our really pursuing you, not you pursuing us. Thank you, Father, that you are relentless in your pursuit of us. Thank you that you are a hurricane in our lives. Thank you for the picture you spoke through James about removing the leaves so that the hurricane doesn't destroy us. Father, we just surrender our lives to you again. We just surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Cause us to return in the areas that we're far away. Father, I pray for the backsliders in here. I pray that you would convict hearts, prick the consciousness, pierce our hearts, O oh God, in the areas that we're backslidden. Convict us, Lord, for the areas of the lights we've turned to the Assyrians. And whatever that represents, instead of to you, as Brenda prayed from Second Chronicles 20, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Cause us to return. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. And God's, all, God's holy people, God's only people, God's chosen people, God's lovely people, God's special people, responded by saying, Amen.